Just a loving God, thank you for moving me behind the cross, that the words of my mouth may be sweet meditations unto your heart, that they will come back and go forward in the hearts of your servants to guide us through this day and beyond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In this third Sunday of Lenten season, there's a lot to be thankful for. As I prepare to look at all the text today in the lectionary, if you look on the front cover, normally we have them all printed on the four passages, but I ask that you write the four down so that you can uh, be linked together as I go through this passage. Ushers, I thank you for your service. You may be seated. Amen. The Old Testament reading is Exodus 20, 1 through 17. And many of you will be familiar with that when you look at it at home to recognize that that is the passage that is most commonly called the Ten Words. It is where the Ten Commandments is highlighted and the connection to the Psalm 19 I will share with you shortly. The Psalm reading is Psalm 19. The letter or the epistle is 1 Corinthians 1, 18-25. And the Gospel is John 2, 13-22, which was read very well by our lay speaker this morning. The sermon title today, in many ways, fits, but I will modify it just so slightly. The sermon title is simply, That Rock Can Be Trusted. Turn to your neighbor and say, That rock can be trusted, because that rock is the Lord. It's good to know that the rock in your life that sustains you and holds you together has been a rock that's been holding folks together for a long time. And we pray that as we leave and generations proceed that are in the Lord's plan, that the rock will always be here to carry us through. But the interesting part about the rock, the rock is Jesus Christ. The rock is our salvation, and the rock has been the rock forever and ever. And if God gives us another day, the rock will be the same today, tomorrow, and forevermore. For it says at the close of Psalm 19, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock, and my Redeemer. You don't know how powerful those words are until you've been stuck between a rock and a hard place. You don't know how good those words are until you know that you need to be redeemed. You don't know how good it is to know there is a rock until you call on the rock and the rock comes through. For you see, in the book of Exodus, 
the Old Testament reading began simply by saying that God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other God before me. I grew up in the AME church, and one of the things that was always part of our Sunday worship celebration was the Decalogue. This passage is the passage of the Decalogue. It goes on to explain the Ten Commandments, that you shall not do this and you shall not do that. But there's a passage that every time we got to this part, my mama would turn around and look at me like to make sure and say, look at me, girl. Honor your father and your mother so their days may be long in the land of the Lord that the Lord your God is giving to you. She made sure we understood that. Y'all want to honor us. Like it or not. And there was something about being able to say that particular commandment because it was not a do not do. It was a commandment of do. It was a commandment that helped us understand that the rock is Jesus Christ but the rock in our house that's connected to Jesus Christ, that we're going to get our foundational teaching about who we are to be in Christ comes from our mother and our father. And there were certain things, and I don't just say this to the young people, I say this to all of us, there were certain things about knowing that the rock lived in our house through our mommy and daddy, extended to our grandmother and grandfather, and our special aunt and uncle, and even to the neighbor up the street. It translated in my community, in my church growing up, to mean more than my mommy and daddy, but my play mama, and my play daddy, and the people on the corner that could tell my mother, you need to talk to that girl. She's supposed to pass my house at 4 o'clock. And she didn't get there today until 4.15. So I don't know where she was, what was going on. But the honor was bigger than what you did in your house. The honor was what you did at school. The honor was what you did up the street. The honor was what you did along the way. So the rock in your house could say things and never open their mouth. I don't know about your rock, but my rock could speak through a look, a tilt, an eye movement. Certain gestures to the face was like, I I didn't know we were speaking sign language at the time, but they would say something. Girl, you better get that face together. (laughs) Because she was the rock up in my house. And understanding that takes us to the first thing, to recognize that the Ten Commandments was the gift of the law. It was a law. It was the deliverance. It was the revelation that God gave these commands that we should follow to have good life. And then the connection from the psalm to the Old Testament is the reminder when it simply says in verse 11, Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, and the them that they're speaking of is the commandment. 
where you hear all the stories in the courthouse, all the stories going on in the news today. Should the Ten Commandments be in public view? Should they not be listed? Should we still be saying them? Are they still relevant? Well, let me just run down a couple of them to see if they're still relevant. You should not murder. Is that pretty relevant? How about you should not commit adultery? And for those who don't understand, that means don't mess with other people's husbands and wives. The ones that's not yours, leave them alone. Lose right on in the do not steal. Don't steal things that ain't yours. That means the refrigerator on the job, if you didn't bring lunch, don't go up in there. Acting like that's your lunch. I don't care if it's been sitting there in there a couple of days. It ain't yours. Leave it alone. Don't make false witness against your neighbor. And then, you know, if you go into the New Testament, there's a whole discussion on who's your neighbor. Everybody here and everybody there that's connected, therefore, is your neighbor. So don't go around saying things about them that ain't true. Because this is a house of prayer. Then it goes on to say, don't covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, male or female slave, ox, donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And teenagers, what that means is if you see your friend, and they got a brand new pair of Jordans, and Jordans yet ain't in your parents' budget. Remember, honor your mother and your father, for your days may be long in the land of law. You don't go to anything. When you take them off, they're mine. Those sneaks belong to me because you owe me. God doesn't want us coveting other people's things. Because remember, God is a God that supplies. God is a God that takes care of everything. God is the God that is the builder of all things. God is the God that is giving us all that we need. So not only does Exodus teach us about the fact that this Ten Commandments is a revelation of the law. But the psalm reminds us that we should do everything as those called by God to follow it through. It's an order. It's a recommendation. God knows that we are sinners saved by grace. He knows that we will struggle with some of these things. He knows that we will look over on other people's stuff. And even if we don't say it out loud, I sure wish I had that hat. <laughs> Miss Allen wears some of the best hats. And I sure wish I had her hat. Well, good, bad, and different. Maybe you don't have the right head for the hat. <laughs> but coveting her to say, mm, every time she wears a hat, I sure wish. The bottom line is God has blessed you with the hat you have that fits your head. So you celebrate what she has, and she will celebrate what you have. Or oh, we covet our neighbor's garage door opener. Because, see, eyes got broke in the storm, and the insurance man said they're not going to fix it, and I had just put it in, and look at these people, they done got their house completely repaired, all that stuff wasn't wrong. <laughs> That's coveting your neighbor's stuff. But God calls us to be an example. And thank God that your neighbor's house is fixed. 
and go to your neighbor and say, we're going to be fixing this block next week. Would you be willing to work with my church as these people come in and they got food and they got things to fix Miss Janie's house up the street? Would you work with us? Not come in with, now that you got your house already fixed and everything, could you help a sister out? Sometimes it's a matter of the fact that even though we say we're not coveting, our attitudes present a little covetness. And we're all guilty of this, and we're all sinners saved by grace. So we can talk real calm because we're all family in here. Sometimes it's the mess that gets us in trouble. When I was your age, it was the tongue. I didn't speak bad words. But I could suck my tongue quicker than them. My mother, before the suck could get finished, my mother's hand was right there. Bam! <laughs> and she had this look on her face. You know how I feel about that tongue sucking. It won't be going on in here. And I said, after my neck finished, should be settled. I tell you, if I was born in another era, I'd think it was child and something, but, you know, I can't claim it now. It's past the time of, you know, I can't make no call for it. And she would look at us like to say, don't have no chewing up in here. And I mean, whenever I'm in a pew and I run across the chewing up, I have to pray to pray for forgiveness when I find chewing them on the pew. It's something that comes over my spirit because my mother was so Death on chewing gum. Probably why I wear my hair short now. Because she said, the day you go to sleep with that long hair, chewing gum going to be in it. I said, forget it. We can cut it all off. <laughs> but the important part is there's things that go on that people teach you at this point in your life. That God is living through you through the commandments. And when we press on and look at the gospel... The word that gets in my mind is verse 21. And that's where I'm going to wrap it up on verse 21. It says, but he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Jesus called our house to be a house of prayer. Jesus called our house to a house of revelation. Jesus called our house to be a house of truth. When the statement was originally said, destroy the temple, the people immediately said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, we've been building this one for a while. You going to strike this one down? I don't think so. But the reality of it was he was not talking about the physical church body temple. He was talking about the premonition and the revelation and the prophetic word that his body would be raised on the cross and that he would die and be raised again on the third day and that in three days we would all be renewed. So you see that he calls us into a relationship of belief. Do you believe Jesus? Do you believe him and take him at his word? 
Do you believe he can save and redeem your soul? Do you believe he is the rock? Do you trust that he is your redeemer? Or do you say, I'm still in the process of doing it my way and I'll get back to you, Jesus? For you see, in this Lenten time, a time of thanksgiving, we want to look at this, this physical temple, our emotional temple, our spiritual temple, and say that this is a house of prayer. This is a house where the commandments are honored. This is a house where Christendom is being walked through. This is a place where we can see the revelation of the law, connect with the Lord thy God, and then turn around and give us power and wisdom to walk the way he wants us to walk. Last week, the Word reminded us about the cross. If you're going to journey to the cross, you need to have a cross with you. You need to know that there's things that God is expecting you to carry on the journey. There are things that God is calling each of us into a committed relationship to walk and talk this life journey out. Jesus is bigger than my mother, my father, my grandmother, the nosy lady up the street, and the whole neighborhood where I grew up in. But the Lord used all of them to teach me how to walk on my journey. Somebody's responsibility was to teach me the Ten Commandments. Somebody else's responsibility was to teach me how to live it. Somebody else's job was to bring me into full revelation. But it wasn't until I was just about that age that he said, I need you to make a commitment. And I told him, no, 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 Lord, not right now. I got double dutch to jump. I got chewing gum to chew. And I got things I got to get done. Can I get back with you later? He said, no, 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 you need to walk now. And I said, but that's for all the old people in my church. They need to know Jesus because they, they at the other side of life. And he said, no, there is no other side of life. All sides of life belong to me. All things are mine. All things about where you are, where you're going, when you're going, how you're going, they all belong to me. So I say to you this morning, if you've been playing with Jesus, negotiating with Jesus, arguing with Jesus, not wanting to be obedient to Jesus, take a look at the Ten Commandments. Not as a condemning, oh, that's an Old Testament kind of thing, but bring them into your heart and say, God, Speak to me. Tell me what it is about me that is so important that you would allow yourself to die on the cross, to redeem my sin, to make me anew, to atone and give me eternal life. I don't know about you, but this is a miniature Sunday, a day of Sabbath, a day of reconciliation, a day of understanding, a day of forgiveness, a day of renewal, and a day of greatness. 
whoever God has called you to be, if you are not becoming who he's calling you to be, the altar is prepared for you to come at any point and say, talk to me, Jesus. Make me anew. Transform me. It's not about what I look like on the outside. It's about what I am on the inside because it's you and you alone. Who is my rock and my redeemer and my rock is worth trusting. The doors of the church are open. I'm not even sure what song page that goes with. It goes with 382. Is it the right number, right page? We got it all going on? Have that on way, Lord. Stand and sing it and sing it aloud. But God needs to know He has His way with you.